25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hole. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Let's go. The Farm Bureau Studio. Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. See it right there? Farm Bureau. Insurance in Mississippi. Local agents that you can deal with one-on-one, face-to-face, the way it ought to be. It's the way it is at Farm Bureau. Also staying connected to you. Around the clock because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, where they are customer inspired. Here in the studio in a bit, we'll call them up on the Divinity Equipment phone line, one ringy dingy, and talk with Matt Moscona from ESPN Baton Rouge. Has a show there in the afternoons, very popular, very, very, very good. And uh, we'll talk a little LSU with him. I just got something in my hands, though, that I want to tell you about. First, the hunt of a lifetime. You can win the hunt of a lifetime, a trip to go hunting, a Mississippi Lifetime Sportsman's License for a Mississippi resident youth. The Mississippi Land Bank is giving that away. Mississippi Land Bank is giving this away. You can win it. Uh, ages 5 through 16, you can enter starting today. I know I have a ton of hunters and outdoorsmen who listen to this show, not only live on ESPN 105.9 The Zone here in central Mississippi, but also online and on Twitter and on Facebook um, throughout the state, also in Vicksburg and Batesville in North Mississippi on WBLE. So um, you can go there right now to mslandbank.com and fill out the form. You enter the child's name, the parents' names, all those things, and you could win it. A lifetime a license. Hunt of a lifetime rules and guidelines are all right there, included one Mississippi lifetime sportsman's license for a Mississippi resident youth from 5 to 16. It would be as of January 1. And then a choice of a fully funded duck hunt at Beaver Dam Hunting Services located in Tunica. Or a fully funded quail hunt at Prairie Wildlife in West Point. This is all for the youth hunter. And a or a collection of promotional hunting apparel, items, and or supplies, depending on what a what it is you would most want if you win. So go check that out right now, mslandbank.com. Go ahead and enter to win the hunt of a lifetime. This is for kids ages 5 to 16, parents 
go enter there and uh, check out my Twitter feed. I'm Radio Wyatt on Twitter. I've got some, uh, I've got some links there for you, or at least a retweet that's got a link there for you if you can't find it on your own. So on Twitter, I am at Radio Wyatt. Check it out. Check this out. I thought about Joe Burrow. He's lighting up college football. And then I thought about Snoopy. Remember that on... Y'all remember that? Joe Cool when Snoopy was Joe Cool at school. And he's walking around. He's like... It's like Snoopy's one of the kids. He had on sunglasses. Isn't that great? Just making sure I gave Roger the right number. Take those shades off. Walking around the home. Joe Cool. Making the And uh, we discovered earlier, too, we got it talking about this. Joe Burrow, Joe Cool, leading college football, coming in to start with this weekend. But we also found a B.B. King version. B.B. King did Joe Cool. Going to be RPO Joe Cool. Yeah. Come on, baby! Start today. Hey, it looks a little cloudy. Hey, well, that's okay, cause he's Joe Cool. Joe Cool, man. Joe Cool, Joe Burrow. Bringing that high-flying offense of LSU. Let me say that again, because I hadn't said that much in my life. Bringing that high-flying offense of LSU into Starkville. For a 2.30 game on Saturday. Let's talk about it right now with another guy who's pretty cool. Matt Moscona has his own show in Louisiana. ESPN Baton Rouge on in New Orleans as well. It's after further review, 3 to 6 in the evenings there. Check him out on Twitter, at Matt Moscona, and he's on your radio right now. Matt, you remember when Snoopy was walking around with the Peanuts gang and they were singing Joe Cool and Snoopy had on the sunglasses and all that? You remember that? I don't, Matt. Sorry, man. <laughs> but I dig the song. Well, I guess that's all that matters. Dad gummit. I swung and missed on that one. I'm just old enough to remember. Let's thought about it. Hey, this. man. I, I was just I was just laughing out loud, man. We talk about the things you haven't been able to say often in your life. The high flying LSU offense. Which, I mean, I think in 2001 with Rowan Davey was pretty special. And they rolled pretty good in 2013 with Jarvis and Odell and Medberger and Jeremy sure. Hill and those cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, about it. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> about it. And and it's true. I mean, I, I guess it was almost overstating it. Sure, we have at times. I remember, you know, there was a period of time there where Mettenberger, like you said, he had Odell on one side, Landry on the other, and they beat a lot of people, just throw that sucker up, knowing one of those guys is going to get the football, come down with it. But – this is a different deal, though, in terms of being this just well-oiled machine steamroller going out there and just absolutely exploiting people every week. Is It's a whole different animal. Yeah, you know, the, and the interesting thing leading up to last week, Matt, is there still were a lot of people in the country that were, that were non-believers. Hmm. And, and part of me understands it, right, because you'd watch the LSU do it against Texas, but people – 
looked at the Texas national rank and just assumed that they weren't very good. Uh, not considering that part of the reason their national rank is what it was because uh, Joe Burrow went through 400 yards against them. But anyway, right. yeah. uh, but I also understand that people aren't watching LSU week in and week out. Like, there, there's no reason why anybody outside of Baton Rouge would have been watching LSU and Utah State at 11 a.m. Yeah. or LSU and Vanderbilt at 11 a.m. or LSU against Northwestern State. Like, I get it. But if you were watching that team week in and week out, you would have seen the pace, the efficiency, the sheer skill level, the, the, the symbiotic relationship that Burrow had with his receivers. It just... You said, well, you know, the analogy of a fine-tuned or well-oiled machine, that's how this offense has been running all year. It just didn't surprise me at all that they did what they did against Florida. It's just the only question really is, you know, is defensively, if they get into one of those games like Texas, can they get enough stops for the offense? Right. And, you know, do you feel, is everybody already kind of feeling that that's what we're going to get when you face Alabama is – High-scoring ball game. Let's see who can score the most. Man, in 2011, LSU and Bama played that one versus two game, the game of the century they called it. Yeah, and it was nine to six. <laughs> they may play. They may play one versus two game of the century redo. Matt, it ain't gonna be nine to six this year, brother. No, nope. uh, no. Nope. I mean, and I got a lot of respect for for Alabama, obviously, and they've had LSU's number. But if they beat LSU this year, Matt, it ain't going to be nine to six. It's not going to be twenty nine nothing. It's going to look more like one of those, you know, Alabama Ole Miss games from the freeze era, where you're talking about upper thirties, lower forties. Both of these offenses are too good, man. I just yeah. don't know how defenses in college football match up with the personnel that these two offenses have going to the clip they do. I, if they have, like that game's in Tuscaloosa, it's going to be hard to win. LSU had beaten Bama in eight years. We all know that, but like. It's it's just going to be a very different style of game. Like I'd be stunned if that total wasn't in the seventies. I, I totally agree with that, Matt Muscone on your radio, Matt. And I'm seeing this story where Joe Brady mentioned that in the off season he demanded that his receivers catch ten thousand balls. You know, and there's this Malcolm Gladwell theory out there. You know, the ten thousand repetitions, ten thousand. Yeah, the ten thousand hour rule. The ten thousand hour thing, yeah, that that's what makes you an expert. It is right. Do we chalk this what we're seeing, what we're talking about, sparking that and making this happen? Do we chalk it all up to Joe Brady? I I don't know if I would say all of it, but let's say the the the, the machine was built. Uh, the, the, the tires were, were on the car. The driver was in the seat. You just needed someone to turn the key, mm-hmm. like to figure out how to actually, you know, ignite it. Yeah. And I think he's the guy that did that. Okay. I mean, Joe, Joe Burrow was here. You, know, you had Terrace Marshall and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and all, all these talented guys offensively. I mean, Steve Ensminger is, he's called plays for 30 years, man. It's not like he was unaware. It, it's that Brady came in and added a few thing, a, a few tweaks, which look monumental, but it's really in the way that's been efficient. Like the thing that probably surprised a lot of people, Matt, is that LSU was on the number fifty-fifty run pass this year. It looks like they throw it a ton, but they went into last year with one hundred and eighty-eight. Last week, excuse me, 
with 188 pass attempts and 184 rush attempts. Wow. And then uh, against Florida, they ran it 24 times, they threw it 24 times. They scored 42 points on 48 plays. Hmm. I mean, they they have had insane balance because it's they've been able to work in the efficiency in the run and pass game, and I think that's probably what they like. I know you asked the question, is it just Joe Brady? It's it's hard to say. Like, he didn't come and rebuild an entire offense, but, but he added whatever that key ingredient was that ignited it. Right. Who, um, where was the genesis to go hire him? Was that Coach O? Or, or was that? So last year, uh, so remember Ed Ogeron, after he finished at SC, spent a year on staff with the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. And, uh, actually, you know, that was before. That was 2000, before he went to SC. It was between Tennessee and SC, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Okay. Um, anyway, he, he did one year with the New Orleans Saints with Sean Payton. And uh, so he was very familiar. Last offseason, the LSU staff went and spent a day with the Saints staff, just observing, learning. It's a very common thing that happens, you know, sort of idea exchange. Mm-hmm. And that's where they met Joe Brady. And Brady had come in from Penn State where he was, uh, Joe Moorhead's grad assistant. He had been there. He'd been at William Mary. Um, and they were really impressed with him last year. So they kind of tucked that away in the back of their mind. And when Jerry Sullivan retired and they were looking for a new passing game coordinator, they went and hired Joe. Okay. Okay. Y'all follow Matt, who you're hearing on the radio right now. Matt Moscona. Uh, he has his show after further review, 3 to 6, ESPN Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria. It's on television in the state of Louisiana. Does a great podcast or several. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Moscona. Spell his name out. Um, so you mentioned, and I know we're already looking ahead, but I think most of the country is already looking ahead to LSU Alabama. So I'll just join in. Um, you don't want to talk about steak this weekend? Well, sure. Let's do it. Two thirty. What do you like to eat, Matt? What do you like to eat? Um, no. I, look, I'll be honest with you, Matt. It's one of those things where state is in a little disarray right now and the fan base is really feeling it you've been there and and what it does for a a place like state like it's not a hundred thousand seat stadium so when it's a sixty one thousand seat stadium you know they've lost a couple of games Uh, they only scored 10 at tennessee i'm sitting over here right now on tuesday i'm wondering how full it is or isn't going to be saturday you know what i'm saying that's kind of what we're looking at yeah i can understand that the other part of it too though is and I know, I know you were leading elsewhere with this conversation, but I do look and I say, okay, LSU's coming off the floor to win. Mm-hmm. They got Auburn ahead. This is the classic lull. State coming off an embarrassing loss. Do they sort of rally and pull themselves together to play a really inspired game? But there, there is that. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that I think there's going to be an upset or anything like that, but I. You know, that, that Vegas line at 19 kind of turned a lot of heads like, you know, that looks a little low. Mm. And I think that's probably the reason why it's where it is. There's a lot of external factors that if there was a letdown spot for LSU, this might be it. Yeah, well, I think all that makes a lot of sense. And and, and true, too, I think, you know, you look, State now going to commit to the freshman quarterback and go ahead and game plan around him, which they hadn't really done that yet. This will be the first time they've done that. And – you know, his ability to run the ball, if they have just a little success running the ball with him and he's kind of in the spark, maybe he they stay on the field a little more. You know what I mean? Like eat up a few more minutes in that game and it could shorten it up. I mean, still LSU is going to go in there and win the game. It's just a, a matter of what kind of game, 
we see. But Matt, help us. I got a lot of state fans listening right now, and there are a lot of them want their coach fired. They're fed up. Um, we see it at every school and every fan base at one time or another around the league. I mean, a few years ago, LSU and Joe. Uh, I mean, and um, and Ed Ogeron, they lose to Troy. I mean, give us mm-hmm. some give us give us some advice about handling it when things seem to bottom out because it happens everywhere. Well, I think for the first thing is expectations need to be realistic. Uh, with the exception of one really special season under Dan Mullen, I mean, State never had a winning record in, in SEC play under Dan Mullen, except for 2014 when they were. I mean, the State fans know this, but that was his only winning season in the conference. Mm-hmm. So, what, what number one? What's a realistic expectation? I'm not saying that you know an embarrassing road loss to Tennessee is acceptable, but at the same time, where's Tennessee as a program relative to where? Stated. Both have second-year coaches. Both are trying to build towards something. Um, I, I, I know that doesn't help in any way, but just my own personal feeling on it, Matt, is if you hire a coach, you've got to commit to that coach for four years. Mm-hmm. Like You've got to give him a chance to at least have a full four years of a recruiting cycle to where the entire roster is his, in his makeup, in his image, with his staff, how he wants it, and no matter how rough it goes, but beyond that, then you can start to say, okay, what direction realistically is this program headed? I mean, you just mentioned, you know, bringing in, you know, committing to Schrader at this point. And if, if that's the, the case, and then you start playing better in the second half of the season, well, maybe things point up. I, I don't, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not as intimately familiar with all the goings on in Mississippi State, but I can tell you, Matt, I mean, I was, I was one of those people that was very against the Ed Ogeron hire. But even in 2017, when they lost to the State in that game in Starkville, they lost to Troy, and and there were chicken littles running around. I said, "Hold on, no, no, no! Like, you've got to get like you hired him. You got to give the man a chance to build his program." And I think that that means at least four years. And obviously, look, Matt, at this time a year ago, really, you know, last summer, you know, we were talking about going into 2018. Was that Ogeron coaching for his job in year two? Yeah. And he had a nice, a really nice season at nine and three with some impressive wins. Like beat Georgia, he get to New Year six, and then it's just built from there to where they are now. So, I mean, the things are fluid; it can change in a hurry. But man, I just I get leery when you start talking about running coaches out after two years because man, then you start to look like what Tennessee was, and you know Tennessee with the with the Kiffin situation for one year, and then Dooley didn't work, and. Are you going to fire him and then you bring in Butch Jones? He doesn't, you know, when you just start having that musical chairs at, at you know, at head coach, it's so hard. It's like you, you hit a reset button on your program. Every time you do that, it's just harder to build up you know, over and over again. So uh, it's hard to say be patient to a fan base, but you're going to have to be patient. Last week, Matt, somebody brought in an entire barbecued gator into your studio. That's like, fact. And I saw the pictures. Was it edible? Was it for looks, or was it the real deal? You could eat it if you wanted. Oh no, that was that was like have you never had gator? <laughs> well, I have, but I just didn't know if the one they brought into you was for looks or not. <laughs> you know, so that was so that was Jay Dakota. Okay, uh, Jay is a friend; has been a friend of mine since college. We actually used to tailgate together twenty years ago, and he's gone on to be like celebrity chef. He was on Food Network Star, where he was the runner-up. He was on uh, Beat Bobby Flay, and he beat Bobby Flay in a crawfish boil. So he he's done some. He, he was actually on. If you watch College Game Day Saturday, 
he was the guy that they kept showing in the quad roasting the gator. Okay, that was so Jay him. Jay comes on my show every Friday. We, we do a tailgate segment. You know, it's fun. We talk booze, and he hands out a tailgate recipe or something like that. So he brought in the full gator, like a four-foot gator, and he had, <laughs> had it skinned and seasoned it and, and grilled it and then brought it in on, on the serving tray. Right. Well, look, and, and I have no problem with that. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. But if it, somebody brings in a barbecued bulldog this week, we got problems. We're going to have an issue. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we're going to have barbecue bulldog in the more, more likely maybe like, you know, I don't know, some Mississippi barbecue or some maybe we'll do something like that. But I do not think there will be a, a cooked dog. No, that, uh, let, let me rephrase. There 100% will not be a cooked dog. Yeah, maybe a hot dog, hot something dogs. like that. We can do that. Okay, good deal. Well, Matt, um, I appreciate some time here on a Tuesday. Looking forward to the weekend, as always, and hopefully see you at the game, and if not, on down the road. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. For sure. Thanks, Matt. See you, man. Yep. See you. Matt Moscona. Y'all follow him on Twitter, at Matt Moscona. It is spelled M-O-S-C-O-N-A. So two O's and an A. Matt Moscona. Y'all follow him on Twitter. You'll be glad you did. It's great stuff throughout the week. And, you know, heading into this weekend, it'll be one where he on his show – We'll have a lot of guests and be previewing it from an LSU perspective. If that's something you're interested in this week, they do a fine job, including grilling gators. They grilled a gator, several of them, for that matter, last week. All right, thanks for tuning in. Coming up, what about this social media ban and the idea of it? Does it really cost your recruits if you pull that off as a coach? I'm going to get your thoughts coming up next on the text line. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Ice and Rankin said on the text line, without looking at the one loss records, Mullen hardly lost games when favored, maybe a few in his nine years. Well, yeah. I mean, all coaches do, all programs do, outside of one or two in the entire country. But all the rest of them, you know, you're going to lose some games sometimes when you're favored. Um, it happens. Favored in an egg bowl. He, won, he lost some of those. You know, Mullen um, and some of those teams, you had, what, you had a 6-6 six and six year in 2013 when you had to beat Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl to get to a bowl game. You had the five-win season two, three years later, 2016, and there were some losses in there. But, um, yeah, it was some good times too, up and down. And so you have the historical perspective looking back, and that's what you don't have looking forward. All we have is what's right in front of us. Right. All right, here we go. Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Jason on the phone. What's up, Jason? Uh, nothing much. I just, I got to say something to these people that 
you know, can go to the game and, and won't because State's struggling. You know, I'm not real happy with what's going on either, but being stuck 1,200 miles away, I can't go to the games. And it kind of drives me crazy because if I could go, I'd go. I don't care if they get beat 80 to nothing by LSU. I'd still like to go. Right. And I don't understand why people won't go, you know, watch the kids play when it, there's like eight chances a year. Right. What, seven seven home games, and then the hope is that you get a bowl game that is travelable <laughs> that you can drive to, hopefully. Yeah. That's kind of the hope. Yeah, Jason, I you know, that's my thing, too. I, I always kind of have felt like, and I still sort of feel this way, that when people threaten to pull their support of their school. It's any school. It's not just state. It's any school. It could be Ole Miss. It could be Texas. It could be Tennessee. I don't care. You know, when people, they threaten to pull their support in some way, whether it's financial donations, whether they're going to pull, you know, buying tickets and not attend. I always kind of feel like those people are looking, they've already been looking for an excuse not to go. Does that make sense? Like, I think previously those people are already kind of tired of spending the money and just waiting for a good excuse not to do it. It's, it's, uh, it, it just, it just, it's kind of, you know, irritating me, the people that they don't appreciate being able to, you know, to, to go. And it's yeah. just, I don't, I don't understand it at all. Cause the kids are still playing the game, no matter what else is going on. You got to show up to support yeah. the kids. If they're well, not, not doing that. It's just selfish. Well, and so many people are just so, Jason, and it's in every fan base, and it's a microcosm of society. It's like a window into like societal issues, societal differences, different outlooks, positive, negative people, and and everybody can do what they want to do. I get it. It's a it's a you know largely a free world. Feel free, go do what you want to do. But my thing is, you know. The, the inability to throw a little perspective into it. How, this is what I'm saying, Jason. How mad and angry do you have to get for you personally, you, Jason, in Arizona, to open your laptop, jump on a message board, and start typing away angry things in there about wanting the coach fired and see if you can't whip up somebody else to agree with you? Like, How mad do you have to get for you to do that? Is it is it even possible to get you that angry over college football? Oh yeah, but I still ain't gonna be mad enough not to go to the game if I could. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. Like you ain't gonna do that, but you you still probably. And so that's what I think is like. In spite of all the reaction for state fans to this ugly loss at Tennessee, number one is we're kind of acting like Alabama fans. <laughs> yeah, but number two. I think I may be misjudging a little bit to say that, well, attendance is going to be poor. It really, it may not. We may look up, have a full campus at 2.30 with nice weather, and by the time they kick it off in the first quarter, most of the stadium is full on Saturday for a CBS national broadcast. And and I think as the week wears on, there are probably people who they were really negative on Sunday and said they weren't going, but by Wednesday they've changed their mind. Yeah, we're going to keep our tickets and go. You mentioned nice weather. I remember when Croom was there, I drove from Iuka, Mississippi, to go watch State get killed by Georgia, and I was dodging those tornadoes that Hurricane Rita was throwing at us. (laughs) 
these people with nice weather and they won't drive over there because they're mad about a, a game the week before. We were always mad the week before <laughs> the crew was there. Yeah, we got used to it, huh? I got you. Yeah. <clears throat> well, what's the temperature out there today in Arizona, Jason? It's, it's all right right now. It's about 65, but it's going to get really chilly again this weekend. Yeah, I bet. All right, man, I appreciate you. Thanks for the call. All right, bye-bye. See you. Uh, BB on the text line says, Matt, is it you or Chris Brooks uh, who Jake Wimberly elected for soccer betting? I don't know anything about anything in that text. I have no idea what any of that means. Y'all, <laughs> It would have to be Chris if it's anything about soccer. Yeah. You're not a soccer guy. Y'all would have to um, you know, alert me to that. I wouldn't be taking Chris's advice uh, on betting. On betting. He's a He's more likely to tell you where to go to or find a nice church. <laughs> hey, speaking of church, Fluffy on the text line was talking about our church conversation earlier. He says, uh, Roger would have loved our church. They took the whole church to a Jimmy Swaggart revival. My dad answered the altar call and went forward for salvation. A couple of the deacons took him back with the others to meet Jimmy, and he told them if they didn't speak in tongues, they hadn't received, received the Spirit. How about that? Did he, well, now that Barry in the lead, did he speak joke. in tongues? What a joke. Swagger. What a joke. What an entertainer. Let's see. Unnamed texter. Matt, having played for Jackie and watched Joe, what's your take on the difference in their attitude towards the game and specifically their toughness and discipline they project? Oh, boy. Well, I'll be honest with you. The hard part of that is I don't know a ton about the discipline that Joe Moorhead projects with his players and in their program because I'm not there every day. You know, I go to some practices, but I'm not there in their conversations and meetings. I don't know what a lot of that's like. You know, and Coach Cheryl was – he was always a player's coach too. You know, people label Joe as a player's coach, and he talked about yesterday being a people pleaser. You know, and I wouldn't necessarily label Coach Cheryl as a people pleaser – that wasn't his objective in life. He wasn't necessarily built that way. But he very much a player's coach and would get down on our level and and all the time. You know, we understood that when he had to, he'd put on the $1,000 worth of clothes and walk around like he owned the place and project that, hey, I'm in charge deal. But we knew he was for us. And if we needed to go talk to him, we could do it. And he'd get on our level. Um, but he'd also discipline. You just knew it. It was never a big emotional thing. Coach Cheryl didn't do a whole lot of pointing fingers in your face and yelling, screaming. You just knew, hey, these are the things you have to do. Here's where we draw the line on this stuff, and we're just not going to deviate. If you miss this class when you come to practice, I'm going to run your butt off. It's just what we do. It ain't no big deal. There's nothing emotional about it. You're going to get sick and puke. You'll go in the locker room, change clothes, and we'll come back tomorrow and everything's fine. You just knew where the lines were drawn, and you didn't deviate from those ever. And if you cross a line, you paid for it. It's just the way life was. All right. More questions, more comments, more to get to on the text line with you. Coming up in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around.
on the show. A little ways to go. Uh, let me give you a heads up if you're listening on The Zone, 105.9, Jackson, Central Mississippi. Don't know for sure. There is a chance I may play a little bit of the Matt Moscona interview for you that we had earlier uh, in the hour. If we get to that, I'll give you a heads up first. And if we do that, it might take you on into the bottom of the hour, and then we'll do this again tomorrow. Just giving you a heads up. First, though, on the text line, Bulldog Blitz says um, both these, if both defenses show up and they play their best games of the season, it'll be LSU 28, Alabama 27. Gracious alive, that'd be awesome. Give us a game like that now in Tuscaloosa. Come on with that. More of it. Less 9-6, to six, more of that. QB1 says, we need Jomo to hire Joe Brady. Well, it would be a good good hire. Some people this week were suggesting that, you know, what if Coach Moorhead um, turned the offense over to somebody and just kind of became the overseer? I, you know, I don't know if that's the answer, but, boy, if you could get a Joe Brady on your staff, you would right now, huh, after what he went in there and did. Now, don't think for one second that players don't have a whole lot to do with what LSU has done. I mean, Burrow is the real deal. Hey, Roger, did you hear this? There were interviews coming out of Baton Rouge yesterday where Joe Burrow said that his dad, who is a coach up in Ohio, grew up a Mississippi State fan. Oh, really? Joe Burrow said that as a kid he had cowbells in his room. Yeah. Wow. So, you Looking know, we, for a quarterback? Get it, that transfer portal fired up. <laughs> you know, we talked about – Make your dad happy. That's right. You know, we talked about – well, he's only, this is his last year – so he'll be oh, in the NFL next year. But we talked about how he's got grandparents in Amory, Mississippi, you know, in, in uh, Monroe County, North Mississippi. So that's kind of what it all goes back to right there. I thought well, that was part neat. of his family's good people. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Trip is the one who said earlier, the fans have turned. Uh, he texted in a little bit ago and said, wrong in all caps. Wrong, 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 wrong. What, what, what you were saying exactly? <laughs> he says, <clears throat> "I have been going to Mississippi State games since 1956. <clears throat> I have had season tickets for over 40 years. I spend over fifteen thousand dollars per year on football." And he says, "I have had it." You can't lose those people. That's right. You can't. That's no. getting down to the bone. <clears throat> 15000 a year. If it was a bunch of those, it would really add up for sure. Uh, Bulldog Barney. Matt, thank you for getting LSU, Matt, to talk about Ed O. When he was named full-time coach, LSU fans were mad. The whole nation was laughing at them. And now look at them. And I honestly believe it's only a small percentage of state fans that are asking for firing. But that percentage is what's blasting it all over the social media the social media, making it look like the whole dog nation. If it's the case, Bulldog Barney, that would be your vocal minority. I think you're right. I think a majority of fans got their feet on the ground, even the ones who are good and mad. You know, and everybody's, in, when it's your school, that it looks like you're going to lose a foothold that you've had. You know, you get emotional about it and it bothers you. Um, 
It, it doesn't bother any fans any worse than it does the coaches themselves or the administration themselves. They'll all try to figure it out. Good point there about the, the a lot of the people complaining when Ogeron came back. I remember mm-hmm. I, I'm particularly happy to be reminded that I cannot now pick at John Weiner, one of our sports personalities we used to have here, who was railing about what a bad decision it was to hire a coach. Now, hey, the whole cycle has not been gone through. I don't know how it's going to end. Right. But it looks pretty good right now. That's right. Yeah, right now it does. Quarterback. You get a quarterback who lights everybody up, it's amazing what that does. I mean, ask Mississippi State what life was like with Dak Prescott. You know, ask Ole Miss what life was like with Chad Kelly. What life was like with Eli Manning. On those first two, I'd say a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Mm -hmm. Think about, but still unprecedented success. A lot of ups. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, look at look at Auburn. Ask Auburn what life was like with Cam Newton that one year. Well, one of their alumni was a little extra broke that year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, but that church in Georgia was doing great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Doing the Lord's work, whatever by any means necessary. Hey, you know, Roger. Like everybody out there, pretty much knows that money gets thrown around. <laughs> And you know, to this day, the only went to a church. (laughs) Good point. The only people on God's green earth that think or will argue with you about Auburn paying Cam Newton are Auburn fans. (laughs) (laughs) They the only the only people on earth is a few Auburn fans left that really believe Auburn didn't pay him some money to come there. And I'm sure there are a few here in recruits in this state on on both sides of the I I know it's so funny. And look, hey, do you remember when uh, Charles Barkley ran his mouth about paying Cam Newton? He was in the locker room at like some NBA thing. Yeah, what did he say exactly? That was hilarious. They had, it was hilarious, Roger. They we're going to play it tomorrow. They had Charles Barkley on camera, and he said they're talking about we paid Cam Newton. I tell him that's just a good investment. <laughs> that was a good investment. What the, what did oh, they pay him? Man. That's what I want to know. I don't know. It's really funny. It's really funny how things go. Texas A&M. Ask Texas A&M fans what life was like with Johnny Manziel. Oh, man. Roger, last night we were recording. Then ask the Cleveland Browns the same question. Good point. Good point. (laughs) Um, Last night we were recording the wrap-up podcast, and I was streaming it live on Twitter and on Facebook. And on Facebook, a friend of mine who's an excellent high school coach and has been for years and years, he's up in Tennessee now, and he's – Great junior college coach and one of these guys who really understands the spread offense, used to go on these speaking circuits for Nike around the country and everything, my friend David. And he commented on Facebook. This is a guy that knows his stuff. And he said, Matt, people nowadays need to realize that so much of offensive football is all about the quarterback. And when you don't have a quarterback, who's capable of running your offense or is making plays, then it just can look really bad. And he's right. In today's offense, not like it was when I played so many years ago where half the time I'd turn around and hand the ball off and stand and watch. It was 10 on 11. They didn't want me involved in the play beyond handing it off. <laughs> and now everything is on the quarterback. He's got to run. He's got to read. 
every play, give or keep. He's got to throw. He's got to run. He's making calls. You know, it's it's so much built. You got to have the quarterback doing everything because defenses are so advanced. And he's right. And it's amazing that look, 2017, uh, LSU with Ed Ogeron as a coach went into Starkville, and Dan Mullen and Nick Fitzgerald in that offense just ran them out of there. Just embarrassed LSU. I'm talking about it was not a contest. And the entire media world was tweeting stuff after the game of, this is an example of the, the, one of the biggest coaching mismatches we have ever seen. Go look it up. That's what they were saying. During the game, they're tweeting, this is a coaching mismatch of a epic, coaching mismatch. Of, of, that's right. Of epic proportions. Coaching well, mismatch. The last laugh now. And Nick Fitzgerald, nobody could stop him from running the ball. He's the most prolific runner of the football that the Southeastern Conference has ever had. Quarterback. And that was 2017. It is only 2019. And on Saturday night, the same two coaches, and one had Joe Burrow, and the other one had a guy who did not start for his high school team, Kyle Trask. Right? It's amazing how much better a coach Coach O is with a senior Joe Burrow. It's amazing, isn't it, how that works? Anybody see what we're getting at here? Uh, Eric on the... Text line says, I haven't missed a home game since 1998, and I won't this year. I will have a tough decision to make next season. He says, I won't sit through Croom 2.0, and I am shocked at how bad and unprepared the team is, or the team has looked. And see, here's a guy who Eric is saying, I haven't missed home games in 20 years, and I'm not going to miss this weekend either. (laughs) And he says he'll think about next year. And he has every right to sit here and go, they have looked unprepared. And I'm in shock. But guess what? He'll have his butt in the stadium this weekend, probably having a good time. Nice weather. 2.30. Is it going to be nice? Because I, I was Let's looking at it. It looked here. like rain and uh, yeah. uh, about a 40% chance. You, throw, you've got, yeah, you are both yeah, literally yeah. and figuratively throwing water on what I said, aren't you, Roger? I, I'm sorry. Man. Yeah, it's fine. No, it's, I, I meant um, to bring this up earlier because you were talking about the weather. Well, on, what on I'm Saturday. seeing is, I may be wrong, but what I'm seeing is Saturday, a high of 74, partly cloudy with a 30% chance of rain. Now, right, that's just the thing I'm looking at. Yeah. So we'll take it. Yeah. If that's what we get. To all the texters and the callers and the guests, and mainly to Roger, thank you for being a part of today's show. Let's do it again tomorrow, shall we? See y'all then in the Farm Bureau studios. See! You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.